from Duck Creek Technologies, it's Conversations on the Creek, a podcast series where we interview thought leaders about how the latest insure tech is transforming the PNC insurance industry. Whether you work in underwriting, sales and marketing, claims, or an insurer's IT department, in each episode, we uncover the insights you need to create the new standard of insurance. I'm Rob Savitsky from the Duck Creek Product Marketing Team. And I'm Shreyas Vasan Kumar from the EMEA Business Team. And in today's episode, we're so pumped to be joined by Simon Torrance, who share his perspective on embedded insurance and what insurers can do to capture what he projects could account for over $700 billion in gross written premium by 2030 in PNC and general insurance, or 25% of the total market size. If you don't know Simon, you definitely should. Simon is an independent advisor, corporate venture builder, keynote speaker, and an investor at Embedded Finance and Super App Strategies and at MetaFlight. Simon, it is so great to have you on the program. I feel like I've seen you all over uh, the topic of embedded insurance on webinars and podcasts in the past year. And uh, yeah, hello, welcome. How are you? Very well, thanks. Yeah, well, it's a fascinating topic. I'm looking forward to discussing it with you. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun. I think uh, you know it's really been a huge trend. Uh, a lot of conferences have really tried to dig into understanding embedded, and so I think we're 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 set to have a great conversation here today. And and Shreyas, welcome. Awesome to have you on as a co-host for the first time as part of Conversations on the Creek. Uh, lovely, Rob. I, I think I think real real pleasure to be here. And and Simon, I think uh, we're in for a really exciting next uh, 20, 25 odd minutes, given your uh, breadth of background, which, which you know, most of us know is not just insurance or embedded insurance, but really, you know, the topic of embedded everything, uh, if I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. So it'll be great if you can, if you can cue us all in into the evolution of embedded in the big bad world of finance or something like that. And then perhaps we can organically get started from there. Yeah. Yeah, well, shall, shall I sort of give you a sort of macro context then to start off with, perhaps? Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so so my background, I, I'm a specialist in business model innovation. And particularly for the last 20 years, I've been helping traditional businesses and traditional industries look at how they can adopt and adapt the digital business models that the nowadays the most powerful companies in the world operate. And... Embedded finance and embedded insurance is an example of that. And what's, what fascinated me, I'm, as you say, I'm not from the insurance industry by background, but I worked with a financial institution on a new growth strategy, uh, trying to implement a platform-based, people often call it an ecosystem orchestration strategy, uh, a few years ago. And I suddenly got really fascinated by not just finance, the banking side of things, but they had an insurance arm as well. And the more I digged into insurance, the more I felt there was a fundamental business model problem for the industry. And by that, what I mean by business model is the way that a a company or organization or indeed industry creates value for customers and captures value for itself. So the fundamental way that it it generates value um, and the business model problem for the insurance industry to me seemed that there's a big gap between what people and society need from insurance and protection and the ability of the industry to deliver that in a profitable way. And as you know, something like 50% of insurance, public insurance companies around the world don't make economic profit. The economic profit, profit after cost of capital, 
is zero or negative. And that's because the, their ability to create solutions at a profit for customers is very challenging. And we, the, the readers on this, or the listeners on this podcast will know very well that costs an enormous amount to try and distribute products. Most people, partly because most individuals and companies don't like insurance. It's not something we go, we go out and want to try and buy. It's a grudge purchase in many ways, or it's mandatory. And we, the industry has found it very difficult to get closer to those customers, make it engaging and interesting, and then be fast enough or flexible enough to create solutions that then solve protection problems for those end users. So when I looked at the industry, this is about four years ago, I thought, wow, this, there's a golden opportunity here to rethink the business model. And not just for, from a commercial point of view for, the, for those who are trying to sell insurance, but for all of us, individuals, businesses, and government who need protection. And we're, the gaps between the protection we need and what we have are getting wider and wider as risks become more complex and the numbers of people in the world uh, grow and major systemic challenges around climate and healthcare access and so on. And so I thought that I just, it, it looked really exciting space to get into because the needs are getting bigger, the gaps between the ability from what people need and what, what the supply side is able to deliver are getting wider and government cannot protect us. Government can't afford to look after us when we live to 100 years old um, and cannot on its own deal with some of the things that the insurance industry is really good in theory at addressing about transferring risk or mitigating risk. So I, I, for the last few years, I've got really fascinated by this industry and thought there are, there are these structural problems and we need to think creatively and differently about how we deal with them. And my contention is that embedded insurance with embedded finance is a way of doing that. That's uh, lovely. And, and, and you've hit upon so many high notes in, in, in just that introduction. Uh, probably my uh, top favorite of, of, of all the things that you said is, is, is the, the protection gap. Um, and, and that has a direct corollary to two things. One, you alluded to the fundamental business model of a insurer and, and how they go out to even provide the protection that we all probably today enjoy. And then through that model, how it's almost impossible to then offer the same protection to millions more who need it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then comes the, the layer of how many people have to touch this product before it's then served to a consumer. Um, now, now, when you see this, of course, from that lens and, and the evolution that, that we're all observing today, perhaps worthy of, of, of some commentary from your end in terms of, is the, is the potential really there for this to become a multi-billion you know, tsunami of a effect or like many, many other things that we've all seen as trends come up, you know, occupy the limelight for a few years and then just, yeah. you know, plateau out. How do you see that evolving? Yeah, it's a great question. So what? Let, maybe let's define what we mean by embedded insurance. And then I'll, I'll explain why I think the there are headwinds that are pushing it forward. So what embedded insurance says is that there are other organizations 
that consumers and businesses interact with much more frequently and a more, on a more regular basis, and they like doing that. So in our everyday lives, we will engage, you know, you and I will engage with different types of brands and platforms to help us go about our daily activity, whether it's buying goods from Amazon or it's, or it's uh, using tools as part of our business activity, or it's going on, it's traveling um, uh, and so on and so forth. Those brands we interact with every day and, and much more than we do with insurance. Insurance we interact with once a year and maybe not much more than that. And uh, often we don't even think about it. We're underinsured. So what embedded insurance says is why, can the, why, why can't the insurance industry collaborate with those organizations which are much closer to end users to create protection solutions that are much more relevant to what they do in their everyday activity. And that's the, essential, that's the essence of embedded insurance. So we can, if we collaborate with those organizations, they have much more regular interactions, much more frequent, often much more trusted interactions. Those brands are much more trusted than insurance as well. And crucially, they have a lot of data about end users. They know much more about me you know, in real time than an insurance company possibly can do. And insurance is a business based on data and understanding people's, the, 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 the status of people. But it's today, it's very opaque. And it, we're, we're guessing, we're, we're making, we're aggregating large groups of people and, um, uh, and, and creating products that suit an average, not, not an individual. And so embedded insurance says, let's work with these industries much closer. We can design with them, with the data they have, solutions at the moment when they're most needed or wanted and when people are thinking about them, not some stage afterwards. Um, and I'll give you a couple of examples. I think there's, there's a couple of examples that really bring this to life best. And one of those uh, people in our industry will know quite well, but may not know the details of it, is companies like Tesla and the electronic vehicle companies who are thinking increasingly, and Tesla's already created its own insurance agency, they're thinking, well, why do we, you know, insurance is so important and integral part of owning a car. Why do we send someone off to another organization to get to, to deal with a really important part of the ownership experience, which is something happens or breaks down or whatever to the car? And so Tesla and other OEMs now are saying, well, we want to design that experience. We want to make it behavioral based because we have all these sensors in the car now. And by doing that, we can make, we can customize and personalize uh, cover. And, and, and secondly, you know, there's a lot of money in this as well. You know, it costs $2,000 per Tesla on average to be insured. Why do we give all that money or make it available to the traditional uh, insurance providers? If we're going to build 25 million electronic vehicles in the next five years, which is what Tesla is, is due to do, 25 million vehicles times $2,000, that's $50 billion. That's quite a lot of money. What, why don't we try and create, take, you know, you, take advantage of that addressable market and create solutions which are much more tailored to our customers that we can design, that we can customize for them, and we can generate more profit for ourselves as well? And that, that, just that one example is, is quite an existential um, threat to traditional motor insurance providers. And so 
what I've just described, even a few years ago, was, it was very difficult or impossible for a company like Tesla to do because the infrastructure wasn't there. But just as we're seeing, we've seen an explosion of fintech and insurtech capability in the last five, six years. Now it's possible, not just for Tesla, which is a huge, rich company, but nearly any company on the planet, small companies, small retailers, to embed insurance and other financial services into their propositions and customize it to suit their customers. So they, are, they have better experiences, they stay loyal to, their, to the brand, and thirdly, also generate high margin profit as well if they want to do that as an additional uh, benefit. And so the development in technology is allowing what I've just described, not just for Tesla, but for anybody, and we're seeing new intermediaries coming in to enable this and uh, the digitization of insurance capabilities, just as, as has happened in banking and other financial services and payments and lending. That digitalization of, the, of those capabilities means that no longer are they trapped within organizations, traditional financial institutions, but they're now, they've been modularized, they've been wrapped, they've been put into software, abstracted into software such that developers in non-insurance industries, enabled by new infrastructure, can incorporate those capabilities into their own customer experiences. The Tesla sure. example, Tesla, I was going to say, Tesla example is sort of a very topical one now. And I was going to give you one, one other example, if I may, to, that brings that paints the bigger picture as well. Um, but do interrupt me if I'm going on too long. But I'll give you this one example. This, this sure, works. sure, go ahead. Yeah, uh, this works really well. And, um, and I give you the example from China, which is uh, Alipay, which is a super app that people use every, I mean, hundreds of millions of people use it every day to buy things. And then it, they use it for all kinds of other services because it's a super app and it's got every, you know, every other type of digital service wrapped into it. They have 800 million customers and they decided some years ago that they wanted, they, the, the, a large proportion of their customers were underserved, actually unserved by the traditional industry, insurance industry. Traditional Chinese insurers couldn't reach you know, a lot of people in rural China, certainly not profitably. The state couldn't support them. And so Alipay said, we are going to create our, we're going to create a, a, our own platform. We'll integrate with 90 different insurance carriers and we will, we will educate the end customer about the benefits of insurance and we'll specify down to the incumbents what types of micro solutions we need to be able to serve these end users better. And now they have 2000 micro products for healthcare, critical illness, all kinds of other things. And they've now protected over 100 million rural Chinese people who in the past had zero protection at all. So that's an, you know, another really good example about that, that illustrates the, the potential of embedded insurance. Right. Yeah, no, it's interesting how, you know, you talk about some brands getting you know, fully deep into insurance, forming their own captives. You know, I think at the same time, there, there's kind of a wide, I think there's a wide spectrum of the involvement that some of these brands will look to get into. And, you know, some of them, they may want to offer insurance, but they don't necessarily want to create an insurance company within their their business. And so, um, it, obviously, in insurance, it puts brands, it puts insurers in this new paradigm you know, if you're an insurer, you're partnering with a brand, uh, you know, they're doing some kind of white labeling of your products. Um, you're insurer, how can you still be customer centric? And, you know, what are your thoughts on approaching the branding of your products when it's when it's going through a brand? Yeah. Well, exactly. It's a really critical point because 
does the brand, does the insurer brand matter anymore? And I had this debate you know, earlier this week with a, a, one of the leading insurers in Europe. Um, I did a workshop with them on exactly this topic and they asked that same question. So what happens to our brand? And I said, there's actually two routes here. There is the route where you have customers that you really want to retain. Own is not the right, the best phrase, but you want to really retain them, add more value to those end users. And there are segments that you want to um, control and nurture and add extraordinary new value to. And you will have to be offering not just your traditional products, but you will be have you, you'll have to create adjacent products protection products, not just risk transfer. You might have to add in other types of financial services or even non-financial services at all to create your own ecosystems for certain types of customers. And that's something you, you, every company needs to do, retaining their own customers, uh, exp, uh, developing their own brand. So that's what, and that's what most companies spend 99% of their time thinking about. But I said also, there's this second parallel uh, world, which is opening up now, not just the Teslas or the Alipays, but the small bicycle e-bike retailer around the corner or the, the small local uh, manufacturer of solar panels or all kinds of examples of organizations that where insurance helps to create um, a peace of mind or encourages people to uh, take up a product that they can now embed insurance to improve that, that objective. And in that world, your brand is, is probably not so important. The brand that is more important is the brand that, or the platform that the end user is dealing with. And we've now seen through the, the growth of specialist digital MGAs in, in, in the embedded insurance space, who are winning business off the traditional large incumbents, particularly for travel insurance and others. They're winning this business because they're offering a much better experience for the end user. They're being able to do dynamic pricing, automated claims, parametric um, insurance, and so on. And as a result, that experience is so much better for the brand and the end user, that the end user doesn't really care if it's a traditional brand or it's just that the, the non-insurance brand is providing them with another great service and they trust them to do that. So what I say to traditional insurers is you've got your core business, you need to protect that, but there is this other world emerging that is emerging pretty fast it's still small today but it's growing very very fast much faster than your core business and there brand is less important in fact it may not be important at all and so you need to work out a strategy of being able to distribute your products your capabilities into that world and perhaps also uh, think about creating your own type of let's call it digital mga type of business that can inter interface with brands in a very digital way, dynamic way, uh, that it's more difficult to do in your, from your core business. Sure. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And I know you, you've touched on auto, touched on travel, I guess, you know, backing up to that, that market size, that 700 billion opportunity that you saw in 2030, could you maybe elaborate more on what, what you think those opportunities are? What lines of business um, do you project to, to grow the most? And, and maybe also kind of a twofold question, how does that kind of compare to where where things are today, um, you know, I think uh, we didn't necessarily get into it, but embedded insurance as a concept, to some degree, I think has been around for some time. We've had this travel, we've had, you know, 
I go buy my iPhone um, uh, and they offer me Apple Care at the point of sale, whether I'm in the store or or online. So it's uh, there's some familiarity but with consumers in, in that respect. But um, yeah, how, how is the market shifting? And um, you know, you know, what are these other lines of business that you think will become critical and are the big opportunities? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, the way I looked at it when I did the market sizing um, is that is to look at how is insurance distributed um, today. And as you know, it's distributed through tied agents, <clears throat> through brokers, uh, companies have tried direct, and uh, and then what the sort of, if you like, embedded insurance 1.0, which is the affinity programs and the, the brand partnerships. And as you say, they've been around for some time, um, but it's been very analog. You know, it's a it's a quite a complex negotiation. Tends to be with one insurer, and then it's it's really the the end product is the same as you could buy on the open market from an insurance company. It's not any really different. It's just that a brand is selling it to you rather than an insurance company. And that brand happens to have a way of reaching customers. So that's been that that those are the way of distributing uh, insurance. And what what I looked at is how how quickly is what I call embedded insurance 2.0 developing. That means much more um, digitally integrated into the everyday journeys of brands and platforms, such that it's really easy for an Uber or a Tesla or Amazon or any type of digital brand to through a single API to plug in a an offer at just an insurance or protection offer at just at the right moment in a customer's journey for the core business. And being able to do that and dynamically changing the pricing, targeting it in an effective way, um, and do it really easily without long, complex negotiations. And that's the shift that's happened. So that, that what I call embedded insurance 2.0, or tr- let's call it fully embedded insurance, that is what has been growing in uh, very, very fast over the last uh, four years, four or five years now. And that, my contention is that will take, of course, uh, a lot of the share from the traditional um, partnership distribution channels like bank assurance or affinity and brand partnerships. So all of that will eventually become fully digital or digitized, and it will be embedded in the way or in the way I described just now. And that's already quite a large chunk of the market in most countries um, through those third-party channels. And then the contention is that probably as a result of this, then tied agents will become, that they, they, they won't grow their market share, but these types of partnerships and embedded solutions will grow faster. And then it squeezes some of the traditional channels, but those, those big channels stay important and, and the dominant channels. But if you extrapolate forward, uh, then you get to something like maybe 20%, 20, 25% of total PNC could be distributed in the way I've just described. And that's, and that's, you know, that's really, it's really not much of a change from third party distribution today, but done in a digital way and enabled in a, in a different fashion. But critically for incumbents, it means they're no longer in charge of that process, or there are other people, other intermediaries that are facilitating it unless they take a role in that, you know, that's in that position in the market. So then you do the maths and then you get to, you know, you get to 25% of total PNC in 10 years is quite a lot, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's how I get to that. And then to your, the other part of the question about which aspects of insurance. 
Well, we think that about 60% of PNC is addressable uh, by embedded means. There's some complex, very complex, large corporate types of uh, PNC insurance that are, will always require much more hands-on broker-centric uh, interactions. Right. But 60% potentially addressable. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying we're not going to get to all of that. And then within that, uh, the main, you know, we've seen, as you say, travel being a, a key, um, a key uh, uh, aspect through um, online travel agents, probably about 30% today of, of travel insurance is sold that way. And I, we believe that motor, it will be, a, will be sold this way in a big part, as we get more electronic vehicles, people leasing um, cars more, and dealerships and others wanting to um, embed insurance into their propositions. So motor will be big, home will be uh, pretty big accident, and then extended warranties and personal protection through um, e-commerce channels as well. So again, it's it's most of the big most of the big chunks of PNC insurance um, in terms of volume. They will increasingly be enabled by what I've just described, um, and you add all the numbers up and you get to those types of figures I came up with. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. And I think you you kind of addressed this earlier on uh, when you spoke about the advisory work that you were doing with uh, a, a PNC player. But assuming this trajectory stays true and, you know, this kind of shift gradually happens over the next six, seven years, we're talking about a sizable portion of the personal lines business kind of moving at least one or two steps away from what we call as a capacity provider, right? Hmm. Um, what do they need to get better at? You addressed this a little bit, but once you have these you know, channels that have taken over the customer relationship, then the capacity provider is just a capacity provider and then a servicing agent, right? So okay, you service the claims through the capacity provider. Um, so, so what do they need to get really good at to stay relevant in this ecosystem? Yeah, well, it's a great question. So the, the danger, so I mentioned those, these two sort of um, approaches. One is to retain customers yourself by adding value and you, you want to build your brand and add more sticky solutions to, to what you currently do. That's and, and you might decide the certain segments of the market, that's what you really need to protect and develop. And then there is this other market where your brand is less important and you want to be in the flow you want to be one of the people providing the micro products to through Alipay, you know, in that, in that example. But equally, you might say, well, we want to enable Tesla. We want to be the, the, the number one uh, partner of Tesla, not just for our products, because Tesla, we probably don't have the right products for Tesla, but maybe we want to be that digital partner of Tesla to help them create an insurance program. And our capacity or our products are less important, but we, we really understand insurance. We could help those brands to create their own insurance program, and then we could orchestrate the supply of solutions and components, including capacity and individual products, uh, to these, these, brand, these new types of brand partners of ours. And some of those products and some of that capacity could be our own, but it doesn't have to be just that. So that's one legitimate strategy in the embedded insurance space. And there are some companies that are, that are doing that. And uh, you know, I can talk about who they are in a second, but companies have realized they want to be that, that interface with the brands. Otherwise, otherwise, as you say, 
they could be commoditized as just capacity as capacity providers to digital MGAs, which are playing that role, and they could be swapped out. So that's that's one strategic position they could play. Or they could decide, well, actually, that's going to be too complicated for us, too difficult for us. We don't have the skills. Why don't we just have brilliant capacity that any any third party can take advantage of? It's really flexible. We can do pricing, change pricing very fast, single API to plug into any uh, third party platform. And we are just super, you know, we're really, we are Lego bricks that people can easily plug into what they do. And that that's a, you know, could be a less risky position to play in the market, probably a much easier one, uh, but it, you know, you're not taking so much of the value. But for certain companies, that could be what you want to be. You want to be the super wholesaler, put it that way, rather than the, you know, the aggregator or the orchestrator. So I think that's how to think about it. But, but you're exactly right. You need to have a clear strategy across all of those those areas we just discussed. And I, my, my, my issue with many insurers is that strategy is not very clear today uh, because this market is still small and it's, and it's emerging but growing fast. So I'm, what I'm recommending is companies need to create that, that, that coherent strategy. And then, you know, from your point of view, from Duck Creek point of view, work out how do they work with their tech partners to enable it across those different um, uh, spheres that we just discussed. Yeah, no, no, great points, uh, and I think we're we could probably talk about this topic all day, uh, but unfortunately we can. I think uh, you know you, you guys probably have to get to the pubs in the UK in the next uh, few minutes as we're probably getting towards the end of the day there. But um, yeah, and I think I think we've heard a lot of really great, interesting things here from you today, Simon. And I think it it goes back to one of the first things you said, which we've heard on the podcast before. We all forget it, but that yeah, people. I, I think Pete Tessier said it when he was on the show. We don't wake up, consumers don't wake up thinking, oh, I'm so excited to go buy my insurance today. And, and so I think that, you know, the discussion, the points you raise definitely offer uh, an interesting alternative or take for, for insurers to close the protection gap, um, you know, meets the end end customer, some of which they might not necessarily be able to get in front of with their traditional channels in interesting uh, and compelling new ways. So um, yeah, maybe just before we, we we wrap up here um, and conclude. Any uh, you know final advice or suggestions for for insurers um, as they consider incorporating embedded as part of their strategy? Um, and maybe just if you can answer, maybe in terms of that tech stack or the or the, that modern core system and what yeah. you know what that should be. Yeah, because that's a really key enabler. Because you're either the tech stack is either enabling a, a brand a, an insurance brand to enrich its collection of services for its the target customers that it wants to really stick close to. And I and I, I think the, the services are not just insurance services, they are adjacent protection, mitigation services, but they could be other types of services as well, you know, um, health management services, for example. So the technology needs to be able to do that on one hand really well, to be flexible and open for that. And secondly, it needs to be able to uh, take the assets and capabilities that an insurance company has and enable them to be distributable into this new open world uh, that we've talked about, which essentially is what embedded insurance is about. And to enable the insurer to either play a pure role as a wholesaler, if you like, you know, a super wholesaler, or to play a role as a orchestrator working directly with a brand to help them run their own program 
So I think you, you know, uh, your listeners will be will want to be thinking, well, how can our our technology enable those different scenarios in parallel? Because if we can do all of that together, then you, there's a lot of synergies and economies of scale as well. Right. Openness in the technology stack and just that ability to change products rapidly, iterate, be able to design, work with the brand to, you know, come up with uh, come up with products which you might not have put out before. Mm, um, exactly. Awesome stuff. Well, Simon, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you again for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thanks again, Simon. And thank you all for tuning in today. You can learn more about Simon by going to his website, embedded-finance.io. To learn more about how Duck Creek supports embedded insurance, you can go to our website, duckcreek.com slash embedded-insurance-emea. Finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out all of our other episodes and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and duckcreek.com. Until then, we will see you in the next episode.